Hi everyone, um, welcome back to A Political Coming of Age. I'm Amelia, I'm joined with my co-host. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Um, and I know I say this every week, we're back and better than ever. We're super excited today. Maybe we, that should be our trademark, back yeah, and better than back ever. back and better than ever. Kind of basic. Um, this is a super exciting episode we have today. It's kind of a heavier subject than um, our previous episodes, but we were both like so interested when researching this like there was just like it's like something I really hadn't heard about before me too it was it like was recently brought to my attention from this article that we'll talk about in a sec but I hadn't heard a lot about it either and I was just like really taken aback when we both read it and you know also with Biden pulling out the troops it's sort of yeah it's very relevant right now because the U.S. just um withdrew from Afghanistan yeah we're talking about Afghanistan we forgot to mention that (laughs) um but I mean yeah maybe that's implied where our by our title the politics of the veil but um we're specifically talking about the role of Muslim women within this whole narrative um so (laughs) we read we both read this really popular article titled do muslim women really need saving by the anthropologist scarlet you say the name um i think it's pronounced lila abu lugad um i'm so sorry if i mispronounced the author's name she's really talented you guys should read it's a very heavy paper like it's dense it's difficult to read but um she offers a really a really new take on this subject we're about to talk about definitely and I, I would say she was sort of the pioneer for this whole conversation um and it brought up some really interesting points and we recommend giving it a read but it's pretty long so i think that we should just start by sort of explaining what she talks about yeah um so basically she discusses that western countries her whole idea is that western countries need to re-examine their relationship with muslim women um, and question why they believe Muslim women need quote-unquote saving or liberating. And her concern for writing this article came from the plight of Muslim women. Plight in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> that she'd seen overwhelm Western media in the past 20 years or so. And now as the U- U.S. had recently withdrawn from the war in Afghanistan, we thought it'd be like a really appropriate and timely topic to discuss. Um, yeah. But... I think that the role of women specifically is a super interesting topic, the role of women within this crisis. Yeah, um, I know neither of us had heard a lot about this before reading Lila, Lila, um, I'll say Lila just because I'm not sure, Lila's paper, um, but when you look into it, it's actually been a huge focus in the U.S. media. Yeah, and she argues that the West has not considered that Muslim women might not possess the same idea. Sorry, there's a loud plane above me. If you can hear that, I apologize. Um, The same idea of freedom and that the concept of freedom is subjective and it's not objective to the United States and the Western narrative and idea of it. Mm -hmm. She references like a lot of interviews and articles published in recent years um, that really like kind of illustrate the United States ignorance and um, patronization regarding Islam um and many interviews that are focused on like muslim beliefs and muslim women rather than addressing actual actual issues of foreign policy or u.s involvement in the middle east 
so she's kind of questionizing the patronizing questionizing <laughs> questionizing <laughs> questioning that was the combo so, word <laughs> questioning the patronizing rhetoric that muslim women need saving from their own culture and do they really need saving i mean hence the title do muslim women really need saving yeah and she talks about this speech given by laura bush which is like a really good example um in 2001 she did this radio address um and she basically just completely laura bush that is completely mixes up all of these complex causes of women's issues in afghanistan and frames them as a problem solely caused by the taliban yes her speech like continually blurred political and cultural differences associating the culture of their region with more recent overarching taliban oppression so she blurred the lines between oppression and culture if that makes sense and so after inaccurately addressing the reasons that muslim women are oppressed um in the hands of middle eastern culture which there is a lot of uh oppression in middle eastern culture but there's a difference between culture and oppression like i mentioned um well there was a lot of oppression under the taliban rules what i mean we'll get into this this, yeah (laughs) um But Bush continued to explain how Western interventionism has sort of saved Muslim women. And according to um, Lila, Lila, this... Should we stick to Lila or Lila? Let's just stick to Lila. Okay. (laughs) Lila, this narrative of falsity... This narrative of lies basically only (laughs) furthers cultural framing and facilitates global division. That was Amelia getting confused by the word falsities, yeah, by the way. Um, but basically, by referencing this speech, she's illustrating how powerful countries, like the U.S. primarily, um, often use the idea of saving Muslim women to further a separate agenda, which feels very patronizing. Yeah, and she poses the question as to why women are so prevalent to the Western expo- uh, exploration of Muslim culture, and more so terrorism, in the way that they had never like imagination basically um the wearing of burqas lila says is seen as a symbol of muslim women suffering under the taliban influence it through the western perspective and the western media yeah and she breaks down these narratives um by explaining that for th- for many of these women these coverings are seen as garments of modesty and or that they can bring them closer to their faith um, and there are also many levels of dress that signify different beliefs. The burqa did not represent oppression for the women who historically chose to wear it. And for all those reasons, she argues that the veiling of Muslim women must stop being the centerpiece for Western attention, representing Taliban welfare or oppression. Warfare. Warfare, Warfare or <laughs> oppression. Sorry. I'm like, my mind is sort of somewhere else today, but I'm here. Um, and the burqa shouldn't be used as an emblem for the plight of Muslim women. Instead, she proposes that we must respect what Muslim women's reasons for wearing the burqa and stop obsessing over their ways of dress and focus on historical and modern human humanitarian issues. And it's sort of to stray away from the focus on whether that's oppressive or not, because it shouldn't be a pinpoint. You know, it shouldn't be a talking point. I mean, yeah, I think like in the conversation of what's happening in Afghanistan, it's like surrounding the burqa. It's this it's like immense cultural relativism um, mm-hmm. from like the U.S. and like from a lot of Western media standpoints. Um, and she's proposing instead that the burqa should symbolize respectful difference 
um, and like difference, not in a sense of cultural relativism, but instead in a sense of acceptance and coexistence. Um, and she basically says that we're doing Muslim women a disfavor by focusing on how their quote unquote culture oppresses them um, instead of focusing on how we can send humanitarian aid and facilitate diplomacy and respect ultimately different desires. Exactly, because this isn't saying we're not saying that Muslim women aren't oppressed under Taliban rule. But what we are saying is that this shouldn't be this should the cultural be. F- the, like this focal point. Exactly. Just because it's such a big difference. Exactly. Um, and she's like making this important point that although we may want justice for Muslim women, that doesn't mean that our ideas of justice align with theirs. And this also later will go more into this, but this goes on to, you know, the tragedy in Afghanistan. And like, yeah. do they want the same government that the United States wants for them? Because mm-hmm. they don't. <laughs> and we'll get into that. Yeah. But, um, she warns the reader not to think of feminism as a Western concept, but to consider what a global feminism, what global feminism or Muslim feminism might be and what that might entail and what they want as liberation. Yeah. And then she closes the essay by asking how we can support and respect each other. Um, promoting safety and decent lives when not all women possess the same goal. Um, So we've summarized this article for you, and we can get down to the main question that the article asks, which is, do Muslim women really need saving? And we don't have an answer. It's a really difficult question to answer. (laughs) That's a big question. That's a heavy question. Um, But I think that we can both agree that, um, that there were things we agreed with in this essay and things we sort of disagreed with in this essay we just had a few concerns yeah i mean like there's for sure a very patronizing western narrative that sees the middle east and the conflict in afghanistan as a way we can like essentially save another culture that's very different from ours um and the u.s has an insistence on unveiling afghan women and liberating them but with strictly Western ideals in mind and not taking into consideration that other people don't want exactly what we want because we have this sort of hubris, egotistical, you know, walk of ours. Yeah, women's oppression, I think, with specifically a foca... A foca. I'm like, literally, we're doing so many combinations. I know, we're we're Um, making a lot of fun words. A focus on the burqa um, was used as a tactic by the United States government to evoke pity and paint themselves as a savior country, which I understand we're a very developed nation um, and we're a huge political, economic, military power. um, But did we have a place to kind of paint ourselves as saviors in this situation no absolutely not and not to mention saving something that we started when the ussr came in and tried to make them a a communist government you know we went in and basically ruined it for everyone and like we funded the taliban we funded uh, the mujahideen which essentially funded the taliban which we later went in to save you know and when you bring that up, it also kind of possesses the question of whether or not we have a moral responsibility to be involved in the Afghan conflict as such a, you know, developed country and big power. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that's a whole other conversation to have, but I think it is relevant to the question that Lila is asking. Um, and especially right now, seeing as we 
we've just withdrawn from Afghanistan after a 20 year fight, um, which I personally think was like kind of a war of meaningless sacrifice. I think that this is such a politicized issue, us withdrawing. And so many people have so many different opinions on it. And it's really difficult to sort of come to a final answer. But at the end of the day, the issue is that Americans had no idea what was going on. Like, we just had no clue. I mean, look at the Afghanistan papers. Like, that just proved it all. You know, a series of documents that revealed that the U.S. government made, what was it, Rosie pronounce pronouncement something like that about the war despite the fact that um they knew them to be false and like they hid unmistakable evidence that the war had sort of become unwinnable like i mean i feel like you bring up a very important topic as well which is that like obviously the conflict in afghanistan is a very dense issue it's very difficult to be educated on it and like keep in mind these are our own personal opinions we're not perfect we've tried to do as much research as we can um but i i know a lot of people our age even for instance like are not very educated about this just because it's difficult it's like it's a lot it's been a long conflict it's been 20 years um and like the situation in afghanistan it goes beyond that 20 years like that's just u.s involvement like there's been the soviet involvement and the Afghan civil war. Um, but the role of media is kind of to educate people on that. And like, we're looking at like a country that like, I think a lot of people in the U S don't know a lot about this. And so it's like, mm-hmm. we lean on media to go and educate ourselves about it. And then in the case of the author, Lila, what she's saying is like, we're focusing on the wrong thing here. Like yeah. there's I mean, like there's all these, these narratives about Muslim women and that's like some of these some of the narratives like some of the things that they're that western media is labeling as a problem is really just a cultural difference yeah and there's this back to the point of like americans not knowing what's going on there's that really famous important quote you know america's not at the war we're at war america's at the mall yeah like a hundred percent it it the the whole whether we were to withdraw and the whole war in general in terms of building them a government whatever that not whatever but you know what i mean that is a whole issue within itself which sort of strays away from this but it's an important thing to keep in mind you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i mean i think we for sure we had a responsibility following 9-11 it's like go and avenge that go mm -hmm. and capture and kill osama bin laden try and dismantle al-qaeda al-qaeda that we funded yeah (laughs) but it's like we showed up and then bin laden ran away we couldn't capture al-qaeda and instead we were like you know what let's like reconstruct and modernize afghanistan which was a country that was already so war-torn so unstable and it was just never realistic to implement western democracy yeah. um especially at that time and that feels like <laughs> that's such like that's the u.s's savior complex like in its finest like that's yeah <laughs> And um, like U.S. involvement just ended up making everything worse for everyone. Yeah, morally it was horrible. I mean, we killed so many innocent civilians. We actually ended up influencing many Afghans in rural providences to join and aid the Taliban. As they were so traumatized by the fighting and violence and deaths, the, the Taliban were comparatively less violent to innocent civilians, especially in rural providences where women provinces. Had, <laughs> provinces, sorry, where women had no rights. 
and where they were all uneducated, they weren't allowed to have an education, and where the Taliban had major control. And citizens wanted stability. That's all they wanted. Like, yeah, they, they had never stability. had that. I was reading this. And the this, Taliban provided that for them. I was reading this article, um, and it's all about this woman, Shakira, who was living in Afghanistan in a very rural province. Um, and she was saying, like, she had been, she'd worn a burqa her whole life. She rarely left her house. And she was living in a rural province where there was this guy, Dato, who was like this horrible terrorist man and he was super violent and the u.s were working really closely with him and she was saying like everyone in my village everyone in neighboring villages has a story about this guy dato and about how like he's been so destructive to their everyday life and so it's like of course they wouldn't want to support u.s involvement of course they don't support the u.s military if it's having such tangible effects on the everyday lives of innocent civilians in afghanistan Mm -hmm. and like compared to the taliban who, according to this article I was reading, were they would give them warnings as to when like violence was going to happen, or they would like tell them when they should like get out of the village and go and flee and take refuge somewhere. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, maybe the Taliban is like promoting safety a lot more. Like maybe they'll help us. And like for a country that is in desperate need of stability, I understand how it can kind of be like this is the better option to go and kind of side with the Taliban, especially I'm talking about in rural provinces. I know things are very different in like Kabul. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry, that was a total rant. <laughs> but, but when we look at it diplomatically now um, that we've pulled out, the U S looks kind of like a total laughing stock to a lot of other countries um, because of how we pulled out. I mean, we spent $900 million on a legislative system for Afghanistan and the majority of Afghanistan people preferred the taliban's method of swift justice and the u.s refused to acknowledge and accept the idea that islam holds strong relevance within afghanistan culture and afghan culture and would likely involve itself in the government structuring you know we can't create a government for a country who has complete a completely different culture and completely different um priorities than we do and a lot of people might argue you know that the u.s felt public pressure to avenge 9-11 and you know kill quote kill the terrorists which was a very popular sentiment at the time um but many might also argue that the united states could not sit back and watch a country like afghanistan suffer Mm -hmm. in the eyes of americans the taliban regime regime's extreme human rights violations could not continue without interference you know however these alleged intentions do not excuse the damage done by the United States and do not outweigh the harm their invasion caused the Afghan people. Yeah, and we've now left Af- Afghans in a really unstable situation um, and put them at put them at risk at a time when citizens wanted stability in their government so badly. Um, and I think looking at it now, I've been reading all these papers um, and it's like if we had stayed in Afghanistan for 10, 20 more years, not a lot would have changed. And I don't think that the kind of democracy, the governmental structure that the U.S. wanted to implement would have ever really come to life or worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. So. However, I mean, I think it's like our withdrawal was inevitable, but why didn't we prepare more and put innocent Afghans at less of a risk? Yeah, and I think a lot of people are asking that question right now, you know? I feel like when we look at, at it in that lens, I totally understand Lila's point. 
Mm-hmm. I think she's trying to draw the line between political and cultural differences. Exactly. Like, um, which is so relevant to the entire, like, everything we've been talking about. Like, U.S. involvement as well. Like, when we were trying to implement democracy or trying to change their governmental structure. I think that... What's just, the difference there between political and cultural differences? At the end of the day, the a lot of the underlying cause for all of the pain and uh missteps that we made in afghanistan are accredited to our lack of understanding of their culture and our lack of understanding the line between culture and politics Mm -hmm. and it's like now i think a lot of people are asking does the u.s have an obligation to fix the mess they made yeah um that's a good question but however i don't think the u.s ever really saw this as a humanitarian issue i think that they saw it as a political issue and that was one of our biggest faults um well, we, we went putting, to go and try and seek total victory in a country that it just simply was not possible we were putting efforts in the wrong areas and i think that the u.s thought they were thought they were doing all along like going to afghanistan and saving them from this instability and corruption by implementing western democracy in reality it only made it worse yeah and I think the cultural reification of Muslim women is kind of similar. It's like by attempting to quote unquote save Muslim women, we're really alienating them and failing to draw a line between the cultural differences um, and the fact that they're in danger yeah. and experiencing a huge humanitarian yeah. crisis. There's so many differences between American and Afghanistan, America and Afghanistan, and it's so embarrassing to sort of go into another country and think that they want what we have we have a hundred percent we have so much hubris like it's just it's very nationalistic as mm-hmm. well it's like americans will always be right will always save people and it's like we look back at the history of this country and we are so deeply flawed it's embarrassing i know like, and not everyone wants to be us like wake up call yeah and now i mean now it's like wow america like this is a total shit show and sorry pardon my french um <laughs> But it looks bad on us, like everything we've done. And I think a lot of Americans are kind of having this conversation, like, was it right? Was it wrong? Should we have been involved? Yeah. Um, and I don't think that a lot of narratives in the media are necessarily helping people come to the correct and like well-rounded conclusion agree. of what should have happened. I mean, I know that that's a question that it's very difficult to answer. We don't know the answers either. And I think that back to what Lila was trying to say is that western media is taking these humanitarian issues and muslim women are facing that muslim women are facing and framing it as a cultural problem that th- that it's the united states responsibility to fix when in reality it didn't need fixing mm-hmm. and i think honestly it just like facilitates prejudice cultural relativism and extreme discrimination yep in the aftermath of 9-11 september 11 2001 the terrorist attacks in new york's um, on the Twin Towers, a political rhetoric and climate emerged in the West, which was dominated by the quote-unquote war on terror. Um, and for Muslim women living in the West and in the United States, 9-11 was socially and politically a very pivotal point mm-hmm. in their sort of experience in this country. And globally, there is a continuing tendency to associate terrorist attacks with Islam and with um, with their veils. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think since like, well, not I think I know that since then hate crimes against Muslim women have skyrocketed and it's kind of like the burqa um, is the face of it. It's yeah. 
because yeah. it's it's it, such it's a like telling symbol of terrorism. I mean, it's super twisted and horrible, but yeah, it's because it's so it, it it's it's something that people can point at as okay, this person belongs to this religion and you know probably has associations with the Middle East mm-hmm. because you're wearing it. Yeah, and I was, I was reading all these stories of these hate crimes against Muslim women that have happened in the past 20 years. Um, and the majority, the large majority of the victims of these hate crimes were, quote unquote, visibly Muslim women. And that's saying, a.k.a. they were people wearing a veil or a burqa. Um, and I think that it's kind of explained through the dual image of Muslim women, which has been predominantly represented among today's Western public. Yeah, on one hand... Muslim women's veils are seen as a controversial symbol in the United States, which, which, sorry, I am so tongue twisted today, excuse me, um, which emphasizes the differences and divisions between Western and Muslim values, a sign of backwardsness that is in conflict with the progressive West. Yeah. And then on the other hand, the various forms of veil ranging from hijab um, to the burqa represent Islam which is a long-standing perceived security threat to the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Lila's take on this was really interesting. I personally don't even know where I stand. Yeah. So basically, she was making the point that it doesn't matter then that the Taliban um, are enforcing the wearing of burqas because most Muslim women already want to. And I and like want to be wearing burqas, want to be covered. And I totally understand her point like that it is a culturally very normal thing in Afghanistan and a lot of women do want to be veiled however I don't know how I feel about it being enforced shouldn't we be standing up for the few women who don't want to and who are forced under Taliban rule yeah and I think I still think that women should be able to wear what they want um and like even if they want to wear the burqa they should still have the option not to however like I think there's a lot of other issues women are facing as well and it's like we're focusing a lot on the burqa when in reality it's like remember what happened when taliban were previously under control women were not allowed to leave the house mm-hmm. um and it's like how do they feel about that we don't know you know it's like not our place but i think it's an important question to ask um basically she's she's saying that the west thinks that all women wearing burqas are being forced by the taliban and they're all doing it against their will and we need to liberate them, which isn't true because a lot of them do want to be wearing them. Yeah. And for the reasons we have explained that like it can be a sign of like it can signify your education or be connected to religious purity. But this, you know, at one point, actually, I forgot about this. At one point in the essay, she mentions that a lot of the reason for women wearing the burqas is because they want to avert the male eyes, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Like, they, they don't want the male attention. They want, don't want to be harassed. But I do not, I don't think that's an okay reason. I don't think that's an okay reason to be like, okay, that's cool. They actually don't need saving because that is, that is a real problem that they feel they need to be covered from head to toe to prevent being assaulted and harassed. Well, I mean, I think that she's also making this point, though, that in some ways it can be liberating because it's like, what's the option? Either you're not allowed to go out in public or you can cover yourself and then you could have more freedom. You can go and be alongside men that you're not related to. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe is that just a cultural difference? I know that there's like a lot of religious ideals that are like 
that decide how women and men should coexist um and like the rules and norms on that and they're different that's a cultural difference um yeah so she was basically just yeah and perhaps she's making the point that um many western rhetorics you know say that the burqa is ultimately a symbol of oppression that's not simply true uh, that's simply not true i'm sorry i can't speak sorry <laughs> but i think that she's just making that point that many women already want to wear the veil and she's trying to say like hey why is there such a huge central fascination with the ver- with the burqa when there are a lot of worse issues that women and afghans are facing right now under yeah. taliban rule yeah and like many western political leaders like george w bush and i knew we we talked about laura bush earlier but however i think um george bush and his administration is important to this conversation because that's who was um in power when 9-11 happened and like u.s involvement kind of began um but other ones nicholas sarkozy and tony abbott have expressed their sympathy and feeling for these quote-unquote oppressed covered women um sympathy sympathy in other words pity yeah it's patronizing yeah um but this suggests that the problem for muslim women in the quote-unquote modern west still surrounds their female bodies and how to present and dress Mm -hmm. them and in this political discourse it is it is muslim women's bodies that are subjected to regulation and political actions within western societies in the name of national security you know preserve preserve national identities and gender equality it's as if there's a hidden like global consensus on a critical need to regulate muslim women's bodies either because these women are seemingly unable to distinguish what is good for themselves or because they Mm -hmm. have somehow been brainwashed um and cannot see their own suffering yeah it's like in short these narratives are denying muslim women's agency and like their ability to think and act independently yeah and their ability to in a lot of ways like liberate themselves that it's like oh we have to step in and we have to do something about this exactly and i think that it's just like we sorry to interrupt but we need to be vigilant about the rhetoric of saving people i completely um, agree because it implies that we have this like really ignorant attitude as a country um and that everything's perfect here (laughs) yeah and everything is not perfect here like there around the world is a lot of cultural differences and seeing things in the way that we have um it's like cultural relativism it's like being like this isn't okay just because it's different Mm -hmm. we just need to respect cultural differences as expressions of different circumstances you know and as manifestations of different desires and as lila's saying like maybe muslim women do have different desires um and at the end of the day as like a huge country it's not our place to decide what they want they want different things out of freedom than we think they want and that also directly correlates to our sort of uh fun uh creation of their government you know yeah that that's not necessarily what they wanted and we made things worse it was not our place to try and implement western democracy exactly Um, and it's like look how it turns out like it was a lot of bloodshed a lot of warfare and really traumatizing for a lot of people and right now if you look at afghanistan it's just so much worse (laughs) and i think also look at it too it's like afghanistan i think that we can agree that like almost their entire country is facing the repercussions of u.s involvement exactly look at u.s everyday life like amelia said americans are at the mall 
Exactly. Right after we pulled out, everything that we created for them crumbled. And we yeah. knew that was going to happen, but the Taliban is just right back where they were. Mm-hmm. And things are so much worse. And we just, we had such a terrible approach and it was such a, and this is just one of the small missteps that we made. Like this is just one small contribution to it is our disconnect from their culture. But yeah. There were so many other wrongdoings that we did, but this is a really interesting point, I thought, mm-hmm. that, and especially sort of the focus on the veil, I thought was really... Yeah, a, I thought the veil something was a I symbol of, of that cultural difference and relativism on the U.S.'s part. Um, Definitely. was really relevant. And I also, like, I had just never heard the stance that um, the author Lila took before. And at first I was like, I don't know how I feel, but then, like... Me too. I come to understand it a lot more. Um, and I think if a lot of people at the end of the day this is not like a call to action but i'm just saying that like i know it's difficult to educate yourself on what's happening in afghanistan um but i think it's also like we have to stop seeing it from such a political perspective Mm -hmm. like everything is so politicized and it's like it's a humanitarian issue this is something that we should all agree on yeah and like the u.s involvement has been so political and it's like now there's so many people being like, oh, we went to war in Afghanistan for what? Like, we didn't even get anything out of it. Like, were we supposed to get something out of it? You know what we got out of it? Killing thousands and thousands of innocent civilians and, like, making a country so unstable. Like, that is so immoral. I'm sorry. But, like, we've been, like, I think that it's, like, it's so politicized that it's, like, oh, that's just so intangible for the lives of everyday mm-hmm. Americans. And also it is not intangible for the lives of everyday Afghans. And Exactly. And we didn't go in there to get anything out of it. You know, we went in there to be this big savior country, this big superpower. And but, then average Joe in Oklahoma is, like, we didn't get anything out of it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what were we supposed to get? Like, we couldn't go and convince them that our governmental structure was better than theirs. I know. And it's left them in a vulnerable position um yeah but anyways we're i don't think we can come to a definite conclusion on this we've offered our two cents again you don't have to agree with our political opinions at all um don't send us hate though if you don't yeah (laughs) don't send us hate we're teenage girls we're trying um but yeah i recommend that you go and read lila's article and definitely she said everything better than we did yeah she said it a lot better than we did a lot more articulate yeah, I mean, we tried our best to sort of understand what she said, but we hope you guys liked this episode and we had a lot of fun talking about it, thinking about it, reading about it, planning it. Um, and I hope that you guys like stay thinking about this and sort yeah. of uh, apply it to everything you're hearing about us pulling out. Yeah. And I'm sorry we twisted our words a lot today. Yeah, sorry. I don't know after why school. I'm so okay, anyways, well, thank you. Bye. Bye.